Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study of the Old Testament, we'll be in Genesis 24 today. Uh, and uh, uh, remember, as you study Genesis, and we look at Genesis, um, four, four main events, four main characters, and you could, that will help you. I say those things so they'll kind of help you remember where things are when you, when you go through the Bible, which is helpful if you don't have access to Google. Uh, because, of course, now pretty much you have to have quite a trauma to not have access to Google anymore. But uh, just in case it happens and you only had your Bible on a desert island, you want to know where something is, you remember them these sort of ways. And so in Genesis, the four main events were creation and the fall and the flood and the Tower of Babel. Big four events occurring in the first 11 chapters. From then on, um, you're going to have four main characters, a lot of people involved, so don't think that they weren't important, just come say they're not main, but Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and the events that revolve around their lives, and the people that, that revolve around their lives are what's happening in Genesis. And so, for me, it's the best way to sort of remember that, four main events, four main characters, and knowing that, I can kind of find just about what's going on in Genesis if somebody asks, well, what about this? You know, what's this verse? Where's that at? It's in the beginning there in the first a few chapters. Oh, no, that's the life of Isaac, who's kind of, you know, around 20-something through a while. Oh, no, that's Jacob, who kind of comes in here and does this. And so I just think it's helpful to remember that, because you, you certainly can't remember everything. And um, the crimson thread of redemption that starts in Genesis 3.15. I want you to sort of be able to remember that, that from that point in time after the fall, we see weaving through the Old Testament up to the cross what we call the crimson thread of redemption, which redemption which will take, you know, be made possible to us at the cross. And so all of that waves through and you watch it happening and God protecting it, the enemy attacking it, attacking it, so it's very cool. Now, um, at this point in time, Genesis 24, Abraham's 140 years old. Um, He's still got another 35 years to live. Sarah has gone on at this point in time. We read about that, you know, last week and, and, uh, uh, he, uh, you know, Abraham got the tomb and, and put her in the, the tomb there. And so now we've got Abraham, um, we've got Isaac uh, coming of age. And at this point, Abraham's main concern, because of the promises of his line, right, being the fulfillment of these things, is, um, you know, providing or finding a wife for his only son, Isaac. And so that becomes a very important part of this process so that God could fulfill his covenant promises to bless Abraham with many descendants and then give them Canaan for their inheritance. So in those days, uh, parents made marriages, arrangements, and, and uh, you know, a man and a woman married each other, and then they learned to love each other. Uh, and and uh, that still goes on in places of the world, but, but uh, you know, it's certainly not the um, customary thing anymore. Um, we're also, as I read, you're going you're gonna to find out that he sends his servant, his eldest servant, um, to go on this journey. The eldest servant is not named. Um, some people believe it is, it's Eleazar, who we, we met in Genesis 15, but he would have been very old at this time because uh, Genesis 15, those events happened 50 years before this, and so um, it, it, it just, it's not named, so it, it may not be Eleazar. Some people, you'll read it as though it's a fact, and it's really not. We don't know. He's not named. There's usually a reason for that. Um, Abraham's going to send him off on a journey, makes him swear a covenant to him or a promise to him, three things, that he would not select a wife for Isaac from among the Canaanite women. Um, Isaac did not want his wife marrying one of the local girls. Um, He would choose her from Abraham's relatives, 
and, and that he would not take Isaac back to Abraham's former home, which would have been sort of normal that uh, this son would have gone back to the former home or something you know, like that. And Abraham said, none of those things can happen. He can't marry one of the local girls. Got to be a descendant you know, uh, from our family. And um, he can't go back there. He needs to stay here. So uh, there's some neat stuff in, in that. You know, when you, the importance of uh, Abraham wanting to provide a, si- a, a bride for his son um, has some sort of type if you would, typology for us, um, in the same way that God the Father uh, elects to provide a bride for his beloved son. Um, and not, not certainly not because Jesus needed anything, because, you know, the eternal son of God is self-existent and self-sufficient, needs nothing. But the bride is the father's love gift to his son. So it's important that you think about that whole process and let that sink in a little bit. Usually what we do is we emphasize that the Son is the Father's love gift to the world, and we forget that the church is the Father's love gift to His Son. And, and so, <laughs> it will give you a different feel for the church when you realize that, if you get a hold of that. Um, the whole church that loves Jesus is a gift from God the Father to His Son. And, and um, it, it's just an, a fascinating, fascinating thing that... Uh, in, in the, the, the divine council of eternity, the Father, you know, elected to save lost sinners by His grace. The Son agreed to die for the sins of the world, and the Holy Spirit agreed to apply that work to the lives of all those who believe. So we, we see the Trinity at work in this process. If you ever get a chance with that in mind, go read Ephesians 1, um, 1 through 14, and you'll see the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in tandem in fulfilling this whole thing of... of uh, this is the process of the father um, choosing to, uh, to provide for his beloved son a, the gift of the church as his bride and that his bride would then bring glory to Christ on earth and throughout all eternity. So, you, you know, I think sometimes if you think about that, the next time that you're, you have the privilege of sharing with someone about Christ, um, ultimately what you're doing is you're inviting them to come to the wedding banquet. That's, I like that sort of so just something else to think about in the process. Kind of take that away with you. But I, I think when you, when you realize that the church is, is a gift from the Father to the Son, um, it, it makes you look at the church differently. And, and it makes us, I think, you know, we want to be careful, uh, you know, how we treat the church um, in general. Um, because even though, you know, certainly we, we don't agree on everything, as long as we agree on the main things... Um, then, then we're the church and we need to love one another. And that's really important. So, all part of the deal. Anyway, those are kind of some of the types in here. Now, there's a lot of verses. It's going to take me a while to read this. So, I'm going to get started. Genesis 24, beginning in verse 1. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in the household, the one in charge of all that he had. Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? 
Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household in my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please don't let your jar, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. And then he asked, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son that Milcah bore to Nahor. And she added, We have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. The girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebekah had a brother named Laban, and he hurried out to the man at the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and had heard Rebekah tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man went to the house and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought for the camels and water um, for him and his men to wash their feet. Then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly. He has become wealthy. He has given him sheep, cattle, silver, and gold, men servants and maidservants, and camels and donkeys. My master's wife Sarah has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, You must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but go to my father's family and to my own clan and get a wife for my son. And then I asked my master, what if the woman will not come back with me? He replied, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son from my own clan and from my father's family. 
Then when you go to my clan, you will be released from my oath, even if they refuse to give her to you. You will be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I am standing beside this spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says to me, drink, and I'll draw water for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying, in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water. And I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, drink and I will water your camels too. So I drank and she watered the camels also. I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, who Michael, Milka, Milka, pardon me, bore to him. Then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms and I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here's Rebekah. Take her and go, and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord had directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, Send me on my way to my master. But her brother and mother replied, Let the girl remain with us ten days or so, then you may go. But he said to them, Do not detain me, now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, Let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebekah and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebekah on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. Then Rebekah and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebekah and left. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. As he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So there you go. Pretty interesting chapter. So let's, uh, let's just sort of work through it here together. And... and uh, Verse 4, again, Abraham wants Isaac to marry within the family. Very common and acceptable practice at this time. Uh, and and um, it also sort of added the, the, uh, had the advantage of um, avoiding intermarriage with the uh, pagan neighbors, for lack of a better word. And so a son's wife, usually chosen by the parents, um, common for a woman to be married in her early teens, but it's uh, sort of suspected that Rebecca was a little bit older than that in the process um, so and then verse 6 Abraham wants Isaac to stay in Canaan doesn't want him to marry one of the local girls as we said um, that would have been a lot easier but Abraham really wanted to obey God in, in the who of this whole situation as well as the where and so they undertake this journey and uh, off he goes um, 
Um, the well is significant, verse 11. Um, the well would have been the chief water source for an entire village, uh, usually located outside town along the main road. They would actually build towns around, you know, potable water, drinkable water. Um, so many of the townspeople would have to walk, uh, you know, a, a, a mile plus to get to their water. Um, they could only use, in effect, what they could carry home in these, in these big jars that they took. Uh, uh, farmers and shepherds would come from nearby towns as well to draw water for their animals. Um, and, and so this became a pretty social event. Um, usually a couple of times a day, the women would go at specific times of the day and they would draw water together. They would walk together with safety uh, as well as uh, social. So they could talk, um, because, you know, I imagine day after day after day after day of drawing water would get a little old. uh, And yet, um, this is what they they did um, day after day after day. And so he he just happened to be there when the the women were going to be coming out for the process, for this whole thing of watering, which is one of those... um, one of those reasons, like when we read about the, the Samaritan woman, uh, the woman at the well, um, she's there all by herself. We know that she's not part of the community because of her whole situation. So she goes at funny times to the well instead of being around the whole group. So um, Abraham's servant asked God for, for guidance in this task. He asks for a very specific sign. Um, and, and it was only slightly out of the ordinary, this sign. Um, the hospitality... Uh, of the day would have pretty much required that um, the woman at the well would offer water um, to weary travelers, but not to their animals. And so the servant was asking God to show him a woman with a real attitude of service and with that real heart of hospitality, um, someone who would go beyond the expected. And so um, an attitude, an effort, uh, an offer to water the camels was a huge deal. He had 10 camels. Camels could drink 25 gallons at a shot. <laughs> so if they were empty, they can, they can take in 25 gallons of water. So if all of them were empty, that's, two, that's a lot of water to haul for the camels. So, I mean, it's not like she went and pulled up one jar and threw it in there for the camels and said, there you go. This would have been, a, this would have been an effort, a task. And, and, and so the idea is that uh, he was looking for someone with that kind of servant's heart in this whole process. Um, and she willingly responds, 18 through 21. She draws water for, uh, for the servant and his camels. And um, these would have been, again, heavy. They would have, you know, had to last for most of the day. They would have been large and heavy. And camels drank a lot of water. After a week's journey, they would have been thirsty. Uh, verses 26, 27, Abraham's servants knew that God and Abraham's servant knew that God had answered his prayer and he was thankful for God, uh, to God for his goodness and his guidance. Certainly good things to be thankful for. Um, and then when he was speaking to the brother, uh, Laban, he, he tells and speaks of God's goodness and guidance in, in this whole process very openly. And then there at the very end, um, when, when Rebecca sees that that's Isaac who's coming um, and she veils her face which would have at the time would have been a, a you know a show of respect and um, Isaac meets her and here's the whole process and, and uh, um, takes her into the, into the tent and they become husband and wife and um, that sets the stage for the next round of things that need to happen as Isaac is the number two main character um, in this journey, you know, the, the patriarchs, when you hear patriarchs, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So we're going to, 
Abraham. I don't think we're completely done with Abraham yet, but, but we're moving now and we're going to be looking at Isaac and Rebekah and their children and some fascinating things that happen in that whole process and how Jacob becomes the next one. Um, in, 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 uh, uh, you'll like all these guys because they're all a mess. <laughs> I like it. I like them because they're all... Isaac will do the same trick that Abraham did at some point. We'll say, tell him you're my sister. You know, instead of because he's worried about what's going to happen. And then you get Jacob stealing a birthright. You know, they're pretty tricky, sneaky guys. And yet, boy, they make the book of faith. So I, I, I love that stuff. And uh, I, I think you'll get really interested in that. So anyway, that's plenty for one day. Um, we're going to end it there. If you're watching my video, thank you for watching. Appreciate you doing that. And uh, we'll get into uh, Genesis 25 next week. Very cool. Have a great one.